Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Pirkei Avos podcast, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions, comments, would like to reach out and tell me how you enjoy this podcast, I would definitely appreciate it. You can reach me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week, we continue with Perak Bey's Mishnah Tess. Chapter 2, Mishnah number 9. And the Mishnah begins. Rabbi Yechonah ben Zakkai, Rabbi Yechonah ben Zakkai, Kibel Mehillel Ushamai. So we're moving on from the teachings of Hillel and Shammai, the great Hillel and Shammai. And we're continuing the tradition with Rabbi Yechonah ben Zakkai. And, and he is going to give us some lessons in this Mishnah. Who are you, He used to say, if you had studied much Torah, if you, if you have studied much Torah, do not take credit for yourself. For that is what you were created for. Again, he says, if you studied a lot of Torah, don't. Don't take too much credit for it because that's what you were put in this world to do. Now, just to give the background of this mission a little bit and give a background of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai lived throughout the destruction of the Second Temple and was actually instrumental in helping the nation recover from the disaster of the Chorban bias, of the, the destruction of the Beis Amigdash, of the destruction of the Temple. He, he helped, he negotiated with the Romans that after Jerusalem was destroyed, before it was destroyed, that three things, he would, he kept the line of David going. He, he made the Caesar promise that he would not cut off the, the, the I guess, the Nasi, the line of the Nasi. The, the Nasi was the president of the congregation who had to be from the Davidic line, King David, from the, from the, the, that's where the kings of the Jewish people came from, from King David and the Nasi, who was the leader after, you know, the time where there was no kings anymore, who was always in the line of David as well. And he made the, the Roman Caesar, the general, actually, who was conquering Jerusalem, promise that he would leave that. Additionally, he, he also got a commitment that he would not touch the city of Yavna and its Chachomeo, city of Yavna and, and the scholars that would be founded it, thus ensuring the continuation of the oral tradition that it would not be broken and it would not it would not be ensuring that it would continue. And also he had um, the the doctors, the Roman doctors, um, heal Rabin Reb Tzadok. And he his 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 decisions, his um he led the Jewish people throughout that tumultuous time to help us get back to our, you know, on our footing to continue the Jewish nation that shouldn't just fall apart, God forbid, after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. And it's actually very interesting in the Gemara and Gittin, the Talmud and Gittin relates how, how he saw towards the end of the Second te- Temple, how certain zealots within the city of Jerusalem were sort of overplaying their hand and causing the destruction to happen. He wanted to negotiate with the Romans and they would not let him. And the, and the Gemara tells us how he had to sneak out of the city um, in order, you know, that the, the people who were the Beryonim, as they're referred to as, these, these group of people, these zealots, would not 
let the city surrender. They they burn the storehouses of food. They burn the storehouses of wood to force the people into a fight with the Roman government. While Rabbi Yochanan Zakkai wanted to make peace with them, to spear the city, spear the people, spear the base on Migdash. And the Gemara tells us how he snuck out of the city in, in a coffin um, because the, the gates of the city were blocked by these zealots. They wouldn't let anyone leave. And he was able to sneak out and make the different stipulations and try to agree with the Roman generals to help save the city of Jerusalem. Ultimately, he only got those three commitments from them, um, but it was able to save the Davidic line, protect the, the Torah, the, the transmission of the Torah, and help us to get back to our eventual rebirth. Now, the Mishnah has really two points to it. Number one is, says, if you studied much Torah, don't take credit for it. Because that is why you were created. You know, so the first thought that crosses my mind when I look at this Mishnah is that, you know, many times, and what really what Pirkei Avos teaches us, how to be a good person, how to be a good Jew, how to have a connection to Hashem. And that's what we're trying to do, right? We try to follow the dictums of the Mishnahs, to, to take it, to, to follow the commands, to listen to the advice, to incorporate into our lives. And if we hopefully take some of the message of the Mishnah, we're going to become better people. We're going to improve ourselves. We're going to improve how we act to others. What we're going to we're going to better our relationship with Hashem, with God. And the first thing that might come to a person's mind is, "I'm pretty good. I'm doing a good job. Let me give myself a pat in the back." And it's very easy for an individual or or anybody to become happy with the situation they find themselves in. They're just happy with the status quo. I mean, if they get to a certain point, they accomplish, and now I'm good. That's what Rabbi Yochanan Zakai is speaking about. You know, many times we think of ourselves, we, we do the mitzvot, we learn Torah, we try to treat people right. So I check all the boxes off. I check all the boxes. I'm a good Jew. I'm a good person. God loves me. Now, those, that statement could be true, but th that doesn't mean we have to step back now and relax. The first thing we have to recognize is that this is what we're putting this earth for, to study Torah, to work hard, to gain that connection, right? Now, this is like a double-edged sword a little bit. I'm going to play the other, you know, the other, uh, the devil's advocate over here a little bit, because on this podcast... I always like to pump positivity, and this is also positive, but there has to be two sides to the coin over here because if it's just positive reinforcement and not knowing what our responsibility is, so then we might end up, God forbid, with fluff. We don't want that either. But the mission is telling us here is that, you know, when we do things that we're supposed to do, we should feel good about it. We should know that Hashem loves us for it. But at the same time, we can't have a superiority complex because we've done these things. We can't think we're better than other people because we do and they do not do. We have to remember that this is what we were put here to do. It's like, you know, imagine for a moment that, you know, you, you, you have a job and 
the the boss gives you a, a great present for the, one of your responsibilities that you're supposed to do anyways. It's a little funny, right? Your job is to uh, to drive this bus. And, you know, the the the, um, the boss gives you presents every day. You did such a great job driving the bus. I mean, obviously, there's such a thing as appreciation and doing things for your employees, but I'm not talking about that. You're like, this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what your responsibility is. When you signed up for it, this is what you signed up for. And um, there's actually an expression I, I, I heard that many times uh, the Marines are supposed to be the, the top um, part of the, of the armed forces. They, they, they hold themselves that they are the best out of the Army, Navy, Air Force. They're just the best. And if you ever look into their training, the training that they get, it's extremely intense, extremely. What they put them through and every few years you hear these stories of people dying in training because they pushed them too hard maybe. But the point is, is that they go through um, extreme mental, physical, emotional training because they need to be the best. And the expression is, I, I, I once saw a documentary about the Marine Corps and the, the uh, you know, these people they're going through this, and the instructors like you know if they if they're showing that they don't want to do it, the instructors tell them that you signed the contract. You signed the contract, right? We don't in the United States we don't have a mandatory army; it's a volunteer army. You signed the contract, so you signed the contract. This is your responsibility to now follow through on the commitment that you made. And um, in Judaism, there is also such a concept that, you know, obviously we have to feel good about our accomplishments and feel good that we're doing the right thing. We should know that we're doing the right thing and, and feel good about that. That should build our self-confidence. But at the same time, we have to recognize that we signed the contract. We're doing what the contract says. And therefore, we can't feel like we're better than others, um, we're superior, we just have to feel like we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And I feel like when we have that outlook, it also gives us a little bit of a push to not be happy with the status quo. Because as good as what we are doing, this is always like a double-edged sword as well. In Judaism, we, 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 we want to push you to your max. We want to push you to your potential, to reach your potential, because that's the best thing that anyone could ever wish is to reach their potential, is that we always want a person to push a little bit more. Now, obviously, you have to have someone to guide you and to everything's in stages and you do things when you're ready, right? But ultimately, a person should never be fully happy with the status quo. We should always be like mildly dissatisfied with ourselves, mildly. Now, I hope that doesn't sound too strong. We should. My point is that within ourselves, there should always be something that we should think about to do better. And this is actually brought down. I mean, it's not, probably so common today, but the great masters of Musr would always encourage a person to, to have a cheshbon hanefesh, a calculation of one's soul before one goes to sleep. Think about the things that happen in the day and you try to find one thing which you could have done a little bit better. And the point is, is that you have to cherish those successes. We have to you know, appreciate and savor the successes that we have. And, and I want to stress that. I can't stress it enough because it's extremely important when it comes to Avodah Hashem, especially nowadays there's so many things going against us. 
So we have to always appreciate the little wins that we get a lot. We have to appreciate that. Builds us up. But at the same time, we have to always try to strive for just a little more, a little more. And if you ask the great athletes, they'll probably tell you a similar idea how they train and how they work. You think an athlete is just happy if he just got the MVP one year? No, he wants to do better next year. He wants to beat the record next year. And when you work out, you ask ask them, right, or look it up, they always are pushing themselves just a little more from the last time because that's how you grow. That's how you grow. So if it's for a person playing football, that's how they grow their muscles. If it's for someone who wants to grow their spiritual muscles, we have to find the things that we need to improve on and try to push a little bit more every time. That's what I mean to be mildly, like slightly, slightly dissatisfied with something so we could push. That that shouldn't make us upset about ourselves. It shouldn't make, it, make us hate ourselves, that dissatisfied. It, sh- it should push us to be better. Say, today was a good day, but I could do this a little better tomorrow. And that pushes us to be better and not be happy with the status quo to just stay stationary. We always, in our life, as long as we're living, we want to keep moving, keep going up. Because if if we're alive, that means we could keep going up. That means we haven't hit our potential yet. If the heart is still beating. If we're still going, we're still in this world. It means we still have skin in the game and there's more ground we can cover before ground covers us. That was actually Reb Scheinberg of Blessed Memories expression that he would always say that we have to cover ground before ground covers us. Sounds a little bit morbid, but it's not. So it's very realistic way of looking at things. We have to always accomplish. And the way you do that is by trying to find things that we could just do a little bit better in. You know, did we interact with someone we could do interact a little bit better and so on and so forth. And I believe that's the thought of this mission. So number one is not feeling superior because we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And additionally, also just finding something within us, not being happy, even if we have successes and have accomplishments, always looking for a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. Because as long as we are alive, that's what it means. That's what we're here for, to be better, 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 and to reach our potential. And that's this idea, that's why we are created. Adam Lama Yula, that's what we say. We said that a person was born to work. A person was born to toil. And we are put in this world in order to achieve and to come close to Hashem and to accomplish. And the way we do that, by Torah and mitzvot, and when we do that, we go through this through this uh, role and through the hard work, we get to that true full potential. And just one last idea to share to this Mishnah is that, you know, many times people, some people are blessed, smarter than other people. They remember things easier. They have different situations that they were put into, right? So I believe the Mishnah is telling us something very important when it comes to the tools we have and the situations we find ourselves in. You know, if you are somebody who's very smart and you remember everything that comes in, everything that's that you, you know, you absorb, it gets retained. Don't feel better about that because that's how you created. God created you like that. Obviously, you're doing your part, which is good. But that extra smartness was a gift from God. And I believe you could say this with other 
circumstances in life as well. That if we're placed in a certain situation and that it's easier for us to do certain things, it's easier for us to act in certain ways, don't feel like you're better than the other person because that is how God created you. God put you in that situation. And it goes really both ways. Whichever situation we find ourselves in, we have to re- remember that Hashem put us in that situation. That's what he did. He did it for us to put us there. And therefore, if, if we have this recognition and remember that the strengths and weaknesses we have in our lives and the circumstances we find ourselves in are all just tools for us to be a better person. So then we won't have gaiva. We won't be haughty. We won't, um, you know, how could we put someone down? How could we insult someone? How could we get angry at people? The, our, our, our midos, our character traits become a lot easier to deal with because we have recognition that, you know, I didn't do anything to, to gain this smartness or this beauty or this strength. It's gifts from God. So when we have that recognition, it helps us remember where we came from and therefore helps us go forward as well and how we deal with others and how we look at the world at large. So with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomacom with a K at gmail.com. Everyone have a great day.